Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So today, as we're continuing through our year of the Bible, um, for some, maybe it feels like a decade in the Bible, but it's only, it's only a year. We're only six months, a little over six months. And we come to the New Testament. We come to the New Covenant. And we've been watching God's heart and his desire that's always for people, always wanting to restore them, always wanting to meet them, always wanting to, to create a pathway for them. And so today, as, we, as, as I was preparing for this, I, just, I, I really just sensed we needed just to take a moment and look at the reality of the coming of Jesus. Last week, we looked at his genealogy, and we saw kind of the crooked family tree, and, and, and we saw that his family tree isn't perfect. There were some brokenness in that family tree, but there's a reason, though. There's a reason why Matthew listed that is because one, we can find all of ourselves in, in that family tree, in our own brokenness, our own depravity, but also it's to help us understand what Jesus actually came to do. And so we've been walking through this journey and, and we've been seeing the heart of God from the very beginning of scripture that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him telling us how much he loves us, telling us how much he cares for us. And so as we come to this, to, to this topic today, it's something we don't really hear a whole lot about, but it's important. I've, I've shared um, about it a few times, but, but we need to understand, as we're especially coming to the Christmas season, about the virgin birth. Why, why does it matter? And what is God saying through it? And so, does it really matter? And here's the truth. The virgin birth of Jesus says something about you and says something about God. And I want us to be encouraged today. I want you to leave here with an encouragement of who you are and what this actually means to us. Because sometimes we think, I don't, I don't know exactly what it means. Well, I believe that God wants to speak to us today. And so the virgin birth in this whole, in this whole picture of God's purpose and commitment to, to humanity, it, it's significant. And it connects theological dots throughout scripture that we're going to look at today. And so what really does it have to do, though, with our faith, with, with, with God's plan? And so we are in Matthew, and we're going to continue through Matthew, and then we're going to move on to the other Gospels as we move through the Bible. But I, I want to look at the first time the virgin birth is mentioned. And so, listen, if you like Christmas, you're going to like this. Listen, we're, we should have done a Christmas song this morning. It would have been great. Um, I, I will confess, side note, I will confess, we might have played Christmas music the other morning when it was snowing in the house and then we turned it off and then we we're going to show some self-discipline until um and and until actually like five days from now then we can play it okay so uh but the first the first mention of the virgin birth it's it's first time it's mentioned in scripture and and it's important for us to understand context context is the king of judah as we've moved through the old testament the king of judah ahaz is afraid because there's armies attacking jerusalem so he's freaked out and God speaks to Isaiah to go speak to Ahaz. So he's not afraid. So Ahaz is part of the line of David in which the Messiah is to come through. So Isaiah begins to encourage him and he speaks of the house of David. And he says this in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
So there's something significant about the saving or the purpose of the house of David. And we'll give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now understand this is the old covenant construct where their, their, their understanding of God with them is God on a mountain and only Moses can go. Their understanding is God in a, it, there's a, the glory of God is in the tabernacle, but only priests can go. This is now God with us. This is, the, this is, this is about God being, coming and being close. And that little phrase is picked up throughout the gospels and it's used because it matters in the story of God and it matters in your story. And so I want us to read as we get into Matthew 1, this, and I want you to pick up on the phrase how the gospel writers and Matthew reads, they, they use this phrase to explain the birth and conception of Jesus. So Matthew 1, starting verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he didn't believe her when she first came and said, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. So he was a, a, a very good man and he didn't want to shame her. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, now catch this, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And this little phrase, born of a virgin, this, this account we just read, it is the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of Christian faith. It explains actually a lot that it's, it's actually probably one of the most significant miracles of all of the Bible. So when we're talking about the virgin birth, first off, we're not talking about Mary being sinless. The scripture never says that. Nor am I talking about the doctrine from the Catholic Church uh, speaks of the perpetual virginity of Mary. The belief that Mary never consummated their, their, her marriage with Joseph. They did have other children. But it was after the birth, and that is spoken of in Matthew 13, Mark 6, Matthew 12, Luke 3, Mark 8. So that's not what this is about. The scriptures are pointing to something. Matthew is pointing out something that for us, should, should, we need to stop and think about. And the fact, the fact that this virgin birth, this idea that Mary gave birth to the Son of God and Savior of the world while being a virgin. This matters. So to simplify what, what that means is that the father of the child of Jesus was God. The Holy Spirit placed the seed of the divine in Mary's womb. 
But also Jesus grew and developed in a normal way and was birthed in a normal way. So the seed which created Jesus was not from human, it was God. And we have to understand this. So why is this important? See, this is foundational in our understanding of who we are and who God is. And I believe the virgin birth, it, it is, it's, it's, the, it's one of the things we miss in our understanding of Christianity. And we make it about something else. And it's just this, this enhances the goodness of God as we look. And this has great significance to all of us who follow Jesus, for all of us who share Jesus. And so to understand, we, we go back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've fallen. They have rebelled. Sin has entered humanity, corrupted them. And so God is speaking to the serpent, Satan, who deceived them. And he says this, God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, so he's talking to Satan, and between your offspring and hers. He, the seed of the woman, will crush your head, the head of Satan, and you will strike his heel. So this is, this is the, this is, very important for us to understand. In other words, God says that that first story of sin, I'm going to provide a solution of sin to sin through humanity. And he mentions the woman, later known as Mary, but he mentions the offspring, later to be known as Jesus. And there's a very simple truth that's found in this passage. And it's these first two words, I will, I will. This I will, it's, it's the beautiful, powerful I wills of God that God himself initiates a plan to rescue and bring salvation that involves humanity, but it's not dependent upon humanity. God says, I will, I will. In other words, we don't possess anything in us that we can save ourselves. In other words, we cannot the corrupted, the sinful cannot save the sinful. What do I have to, how do I cleanse my sin if I'm sinful? I got nothing to exchange for it. And so God says, I will. In the very beginning of Genesis 3, one, because he's thinking about you. I will. I will. Everybody say, I will. And this, this small, these two words shows us that we need to be rescued. We need to be saved. Humanity needs to be redeemed. We need to be pulled out of our condition, but it can only come through God himself. Not from our clever ideas, not from our rituals, not the keeping of the laws that we've seen of the old covenant, not from our plans, not from our thinking, not from our efforts, not from our goodness. The reality is that humanity cannot rescue itself. We need an external intervention. We need that external intervention that reaches into a trapped human race. That we are trapped, we are chained. We need someone to come in and break the chains that ensnare us. And we need someone to deliver us. All of humanity and us individually. And so the seed of the woman has to be the source of Satan's destruction. But how can the seed 
destroy Satan if it's corrupted by the sin in which humanity holds. And the virgin birth answers the question of how. How? Galatians 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. God, the Holy Spirit, came, sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the reality that this was the solution And what Paul is saying is that the son of God and the seed of the woman are the same thing. God does something in and through humanity to rescue humanity. And Jesus came to a world of sin in need of salvation. He came to humanity, you and me and the whole world who needed salvation, which is why it's crucial to see that the problem of sin needed a divine solution. And part of the purpose of the virgin birth of Jesus is to show us, again, that salvation does not come from man. Though we, we are human and we want to always try that and we always want to think that, salvation does not come from man. It does not come from rituals. It does not come from the law. It does not come from our efforts. It must be provided for us and to us from an external source. And that forgiveness of sin and salvation is fully And totally the work of a supernatural God, not the work of a natural man who can't do it anyway. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves from sin. This is the reality of the, as we step from the old covenant into the the new covenant, this is the reality. All of the old covenant revealed to us that we can't do it. We can't do it. On our best day, we're still short. We can't do it. This is why the virgin birth is important. This is why the purity of the gospel is important. This is why the purpose of the church should be anchored around the purpose of Jesus and why he came. Think about it. Think about a church that is geared to accomplish something that actually isn't the heart, the main heart and main purpose of God. That's called deception. And the virgin birth tells me there was a source for my my salvation beyond me, beyond humanity. And that source happened in a moment. It's called the incarnation. The moment God becomes flesh and lives among us. This is, it's the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the beauty. This is, I mean, the the understanding of of the old covenant, this, it is God who's been moving this along all the way. He's been bringing people back to him closer all the way. He preserved the Jewish people to bring forth this seed, this seed for the purpose of crushing the head of Satan to deliver you and me from the power and the curse of sin. This this really matters. And the virgin birth tells us how that happened. That God sent his son to be born a human, to represent us, 
a representative for all of humanity, to take on humanity, to take on what, what we, where we were flawed, the, the curse of sin, and to take human form. And so the reality, you start thinking, yes, how else could he have done it? Well, as you look through it, you see the brilliance of God. So if, like, if you were to think if you were God, how would, how would you do it? So, and you can't break, break your promises and you can't violate his character. He's a holy God. We have, we have sinned against him. What do you do? He could wipe everybody off the face of the planet and then recreate us, but we still have the same problem, free will. There's universalism. This would, God, this is, everybody gets saved. Well, this, this is also violating free will. It means that, that this God forces people to be with him in eternity they don't want to be. Jesus of full humanity and full deity he comes and he becomes one of us. He becomes us. So often we put God at such a distance and the story of, of, of Jesus coming is this reality is that he came to be with us. Why? Because he wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to know him more. He wants to minister in your life. He wants to give you deliverance from the curse of sin on your heart and your mind. He wants to heal you. He wants to be close to you. You're not an inconvenience to him. Nothing is, is, is not important to him. He, he, ma he loves you because you matter to him so deeply. This is just the simple reality of what Matthew's saying. And all of this, this incarnation, sometimes because it's so brief, we, we miss it. Everything else in the new covenant makes sense once you understand the incarnation. Jesus, fully God and fully man. Makes sense that Jesus can walk on water. Well, because he made the water. It makes sense that he can speak to the storm and calm it because he has authority over all things. It makes sense that he can create something from nothing because with his word, he creates. He says it and it happens. It makes sense when you see he's fully God, but also it makes sense. What well, makes sense, he can feed the 5,000. He created the, 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 the fish and the loaves. He created it. He can multiply. He created the stomachs of the people who were there. He knows what he's doing. But in the same hand, it makes sense that he was bound to laws of physics, but yet he could overcome them because he's fully human, he's fully God, and he can pass between the two. The strangest thing about the incarnation is that Jesus died. That's what, that's what blows our minds that he was fully man, fully God, for the purpose of his own death. For God so loved the world, which we've heard this morning, that he gave his son. So out of all the babies born in the world to live, 
this one was born to die. It's the beauty of the gospel. And this fundamental doctrine in Christianity of Christ's identity is fully human and fully God. It's the fundament, this is the fundamental point where Muslims or Jews or Jehovah Witnesses and many other disagree with Christianity. It, it's actually the ultimate stumbling block. It's the, the cornerstone that has become a stumbling block. That God became human and he was fully both at the same time, God and human. He's, but him doing that, he's able to embody, think about this for a moment. He's able to embody himself, our challenges, our brokenness, our brokenness, our weaknesses, our problems. And he embodies them all, the curse of sin. And at the same time, strong enough and pure enough and powerful enough and holy enough to do something about the problems rather than just give us sympathy with no hope. He came to give us freedom and deliverance. It's the message of the gospel. The virgin birth answers the question of how it gives the solution. This is what the angel Gabriel was emphasizing when he came to Mary and he says, and he shall be holy, perfect. In other words, he has something to exchange with the corruption and depravity of mankind. He has something who can, who can represent us. He can become our representative. He can become this, that, that everything that we need. He came to become everything that we are so that we can become everything that he is, that we can become holy, we can become righteousness, that we are clothed in the righteousness of God, that we become sons of God, that we become the inheritance, the, the ones who receive inheritance from God, that we are now not far from God, we are close to God, that his spirit not, not, doesn't just dwell in Jesus, it now dwells in us. That's a good amen spot right there. You can say that. This is what it's about. And we, we forget the divine exchange that happened. The Bible is very clear. There is only one without sin. There's only been one human that ever walked this earth that was sinless. There has only been one who did not fall short of the glory of God. And that's Jesus. And Christ has to be fully human and fully God for there to be redemption because there's no other way. Let's go back to Adam and Eve for a moment. Genesis 2 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now look at this. When did God say they would die? When they ate of it. After they ate of it, why didn't they die instantly? Adam lived I mean, he, was, he, he died at the ripe old age of 930. 
God was speaking of a greater death than physical. He was speaking of a spiritual death. So from Adam and Eve's sin of the garden, every human born between two humans on the face of the planet were born spiritually dead because their mother and their father are spiritually dead. The only way to break that problem is to have someone who is not spiritually dead be born. And the only one who can do that is God himself. So his son, who was born spiritually alive, is born to the Virgin Mary. From that moment of his conception, I want you to think about this, from the moment of his conception, the moment the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, the seed of Jesus is in her womb. The moment of his, his conception, he carries spiritual life as a human because he's not formed underneath the curse of sin. He's holy, he's perfect, which is why he was able to live perfectly, why he was able to live a holy life. That's, that's why at the same time, he can overcome sin and confront it because he's holy. And also why he acted and was human and yet completely free from the, from the curse of sin on humanity. This is why the life of Jesus matters. Not just the death of Jesus, though he was born to die. His life matters. His, 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 him being formed matters. It's God's purpose and plan from the very beginning. He's been, he has been doing this all along. Just spoke of it back in Genesis. He's been working to this point. And that's why the birth of Jesus matters. Not just the resurrection. They both matter. At, at a... A side note, at the moment of conception of Jesus in Mary's womb, at, the, at a moment, at whenever, boom, was there ever a moment when Jesus was not fully human or fully God? No. There was never a moment. There was never a moment that Jesus was not fully human and fully God. And it's important for us to understand that he was fully human at the moment of conception. Therefore, human life begins at conception. It's important. We need to understand there was never a moment. He was never not God. He was, he was never a clump of cells. It was God himself in human form. But the power of the virgin birth is not just about a savior that dies for you. It's about a it's about a Savior who lives for you. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, we were dead in our transgressions and sins until we were made alive by Jesus. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He seated you when you put your faith in Christ or when you do it, you are now seated with him because he represents us. So, so listen, we get to go where he gets to go. We get to be where he gets to be. And that could not happen without the virgin birth. 
The whole of the new covenant hangs on this. The whole of salvation hangs on this. That I need, you need, we need someone, a high priest who's able to identify with me and rescue me at the same time. Who's able to go in my place and receive the punishment that my sin deserves. And Jesus, according to Hebrews, he is our high priest. He is our, he is our sacrifice, the one and only. And he is fully human and he is fully divine at the same time because he's fully human. He's been tempted in every way that we've been tempted. But he did not sin. That's why he can represent us. Because he's fully God, he's, he's, he's able to overcome that, that sin and remove every obstacle and break its power and create a way of hope, a pathway of redemption for you and me. He went before us so that we could follow after him and receive what every, everything that he has paid for for us. It is, the, it, is the, it is the reality. All of that would not be possible without the virgin birth. And in Jesus, we see his meekness and we see his majesty and we see his divinity and we see his humanity. We see his frailty and we see his strength. We see he is fully God and he's fully man. And the virgin birth doesn't just say that God, you know, comes to us or, or wants to, um, you know, he, he feels sorry. So he thinks I got to do something about it. It actually, it actually gives us the understanding of the value, the value of your life, the value of humanity. It actually assigns a value to set you free because he loves you, because he wants to be with you. It also helps us understand this, that it helps us understand this, that, that the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of, of, uh, of Calvary is that he took upon himself every curse Every curse of sin. Everybody say every. Every curse of sin. Okay? So every. Say every one more time. All right. So he took upon himself every curse. All sin. Took upon himself. Scripture says that the curses of sin were nailed with him on the cross. That means by your faith in Christ Jesus, you are delivered from all curses of sin in your life. In your, in, in your spiritual, you come back to life. So, so we, we though sometimes can confuse, sometimes we can elevate the sin of grandpappy with, with the blood of Jesus. We actually hold it over the blood of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What is more powerful? Because we, we talk about generational curses. and all, What is more powerful, the blood of Jesus or the sin of your grandpa? Okay. So, so we need to understand, we need to stop living a lie that somehow, well, it's the generation curses of my, my great aunts, you know, whatever. It's like, give me a break. We're talking about the power and the, and the resurrection life and the blood of Jesus that paid the price for all sin on your spiritual life. He paid for it all. So you aren't subject to your grandpappy's sin. You're subject to the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You're not subject to what was done or someone in your past and that's why you got this or that's why you have this, that's why you have this illness because something, you know, great, great aunt so-and-so who, who immigrated on a boat came over because she, she used to be a witch. What are you talking about? We serve a God that has all power, all dominion and when you are in Christ, you are his. So, 
We need to understand this, but if we believe the sin of grandpappy is still at work in my life, we will act like the sin of grandpappy is, in, is working in my life. We need to embrace and walk into the realities of Jesus. Yes, there are learned behaviors, there are DNA things, there are you know, DNA I, that some are more open to addiction or something. Listen, I, I get all that, but I'm telling you, it's not a spiritual, it's not because of the sin. It's because of there's a curse of sin in these bodies. We're just, listen, none of us are escaping this world with this body. But the blood of Jesus has paid the price for all sin. And so in him, you are free. Amen? That's good news. That's good news. So, the virgin birth says that God lifts up humanity. It says that he values you. It doesn't discard it. He lifts you up. It says you're not irrelevant. It says you're not insignificant. The virgin birth says you're not nasty, that God doesn't want to touch you. But humanity leading to the life Jesus brings us, that Jesus came to bring us to completion, not to get rid of us. He came to save us because God values you. Your life matters. The breath in your lungs matter. God knits you together because you matter. And he sent his son to die for you because you matter to him. This is the beauty of the new covenant that all can come to him. That all of us can understand our value, that you are not, in Christ, we, sometimes we rehearse our brokenness so often, but in Christ you were not broken and too flawed and too horrible. But because of Jesus, God says you're mine. God says you're made in my image. Your physical reflection, your very being, it's beautiful to me. To help you understand that, to help you understand your value, I will become humanity. I will become humanity. And your, your restoration will take place, full restoration will take place in the second coming of Jesus. But it is, it is God's, he's shouting it to you. you, you are valuable. Your life is valuable. Even in your own brokenness now and as, we, as we're living out things and, and we have sufferings of life and we have difficulties and there are sicknesses and, and I get that and I believe God heals and, and I, I believe all of that. But the reality is this, in this, you need to understand in this moment, this is not, the sufferings is not because you're not valuable to God. The virgin birth, the coming of Jesus, the sacrifice of his son on a cross shouts that lie down and says that you are worth more than you realize. And that we would believe the reality of his value that he's assigned to us versus our own reality of what we see in our own lives. The virgin birth, to me, it demonstrates that 
We have a high priest who knows what it's like to be me. You have a high priest who knows what it's like to be you. And he has blazed the trail for you. Someone who has paid your price. Someone who can, can carry your burden. Someone who understands your pain right now. Who understands your weaknesses. Someone who is able to save your soul, but also save my body and my mind and my emotions. Someone who is able to redeem everything about me as a person. We just don't have a, a king in heaven. We've got, we've got a brother that's also fully God. We don't have just a master. We have a friend. And this is why the virgin birth matters. This is why it matters we understand God's heart. This is why, this is why all, everything's been leading to this. You see, mankind who can't achieve righteousness, can't achieve holiness, we can't do it. And God in his grace sends his son to pay the price for all of us. And we can walk in that by putting our faith in him. But so many of us stop short after that because the reality is God and his grace wants to continue to work in our lives. He wants to continue to heal you. He wants to continue to, 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 to minister to you, to heal your mind, to give you peace. That's why he came to, he came to provide a way so that we can walk in what he has provided. Remember, he became everything that we are so that we can become everything that he is. And some of that reality is we, we're not going to see it yet. Some of it we're not going to taste of our new bodies yet. But it's coming. But what we do know is as we live in attention of God's kingdom now, now, and some of it not yet. Sometimes we get glimpses of the not yet. Boom, shows up. Power, healing, miracles, awesome. But yet we know that it's still not yet. If the fullness of it isn't here. But the reality is this, that Jesus came so that you can have hope. So that you can also know this. When you see yourself in a mirror, you can know this. He values me. He loves me. And I'm going to believe what he believes about me. That I'm worth, I'm worth the price which he paid for me. Amen. And then we look at others in a broken world, and we say, and so were they. It changes the way we see God, it changes the way we see ourselves. The virgin birth changes the way we see all of humanity. And we live from the reality of what God's called us to be. We strive to be holy because he has, he has identified us as holy because of Jesus. We, we ask him to give us the power to obey his word because he has, he has redeemed us and we are already holy in his sight, but yet we walk out on this side of the grave, what that means, and we live from his identity, not ours. And that's how God sees you. I encourage you today, and in the season and the life and the place we are in, in society, focus on what, is, what God says about you. Live from that reality. Live in the fullness of that reality and ask him to continue to shape your mind and your heart 
and this, this stuff we got to deal with. But ask him. You matter to him more than you realize. And God has provided more than what most of us are walking in. That's just the truth. And I, my encouragement to you today from the scriptures and the virgin birth is receive what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that through your word and the, the small statement that our Savior that is coming to be God among us will be born of a virgin, meaning you are fully like us, but yet you're not like us. Lord, today we confess and we repent of not seeing the power and the value of what you really did on the cross. We repent of believing the lie of somehow your work on the cross was not enough, that somehow part of our identity is still anchored in our own sin, the sin of family. Lord, forgive us for putting too much authority on what you came to deliver us from. Lord, today I fix my eyes on your gaze. I fix my eyes on your, on your cross. I fix my eyes on the empty tomb. I fix my eyes on a God that invites us to come closer, who doesn't see us as gross and too broken, too filthy. God, today I fix my eyes on, on a God who is compassionate and long-suffering, that in my broken humanity of this flesh, you invite me in to be a follower, to be one who's close to you, to be one who can walk in the benefits of you, to be one who celebrates the work of you. And so, Lord, I make a commitment today that I, we, we want to come closer. We don't want to keep ourselves at a distance. We want to come close. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would begin to transform our minds, that as we continue to read the word through these coming months, that you would transform our minds through the reading of the word and give us the mind of Christ. Help us to, to see things the way that you see them. And Lord, today I pray that you would minister healing. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here to minister healing for those who have believed lies about themselves for so many years, what was spoken over them as children. So many of us carry this identity that was set over us as children or or conclusions we came about ourselves because what was done to us. Lord, today, we walk in the reality that you have brought us from one family and you've set us into your family and you've cut off. You've cut off the family that was cursed by sin and you brought us into your family, making us holy and righteous. Lord, today, help us to fix our gaze on that 
that which you've done for us and live towards that truth. And so Lord, may we today leave here with a new understanding of your love, of why you came and your care for us. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you recognize that you do not know Jesus and you have not given your life to him and you want to come into alignment with what he's already done and you want to come close to God and you want to be healed and you want him to save you. Nobody's looking around. If that's you today, just lift your hand. Just lift it up just as a sign of faith. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Amen. Several hands going up. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to pray it with you. And just pray it from your heart and pray it like you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I put my faith in what you've done for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I align my life with that truth. I will follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Friends, I love you so much. If we can, let's stand to our feet. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what God's doing in our midst and so many great stories and testimonies of God bringing healing and deliverance and restoration to people's lives. Just, I don't want to say just, through the truth of his word. Amen. It's real and it matters. And so I pray that you would continue to walk in God's purposes and pleasure that he has for you. If you can't lift your hands to the Lord, I'm going to pray God's blessing. Father, I pray you bless your people, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them with your your confidence today and how you see them, that they would live from that identity. God, I pray that you would prosper them. God, I pray that our church, those who call faith their home, that God, that you would put a protection over their, over their lives, over their finances, over their minds, over their marriages, over their children. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you that you would, you would bless them beyond anything they ever thought possible. And when they leave here today, they would lift their eyes and ask the question, God, how do you want to use me today? And that, God, they would be looking for your blessing and your favor around them. So bless them and strengthen them today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.